Welcome to Drinking and Talking with your host, Vincent Franconi. I don't watch I don't watch that much TV. Like yeah. TV shows. Like I, I don't know why. And even the ones I really like, I fall off of like immediately. Like I love You're the Worst. That's like one of my all time favorite shows. There's a whole goddamn season that I have not watched. I just finished the fourth season, yeah, that just ended. How uh, was that one? That's the one I haven't watched. <laughs> better better than season three. I kinda didn't like last season. Oh. Season two of that show I thought was brilliant. Um Wait, is season regretches. Gretchen becomes depressed in, yes. in season two. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Season three is where she's seeking therapy and Jimmy's like working on his follow-up book. Yep. yep, uh, yep. And then like now there and then he broke up. Uh, did you finish that? Because like, yeah, I finished yeah, season three. And are- yep. And then we watched the first two episodes of season four and then just forgot about it. It's better. It, I, I kind of like this season a lot. A lot of people didn't care for it as much. I said it was uneven, but I actually like kind of got back into the show a little bit more this year. So. This second season is just, I mean, ho- like horrifying. Yeah, it really Although, is. The third season is the one that has a special one with Edgar's from Edgar's point of view, right? Where yeah, it tells which I, the whole thing. Yeah. That was one of the best episodes, man. That one episode is so good, but I feel like that was, I don't know. I feel like they really teased out Gretchen's depression in season two and they kind of just picked up Edgar's thing briefly. I don't know, maybe because it's hard to balance all those characters, but yeah, I, I just really was like, I wanted so. to see more of that and less of like, you know, Gretchen in therapy was kind of like a wash for me, but you know, Gretchen's Gretchen, uh, was it Aya Cash? Is that her name? Yeah. Her yeah. mom is a poet that's published by Boa Editions here in Rochester. Wait, what's her name? Kim Adesanio or something to that effect. I probably I think I know her. <laughs> and she she writes like she and there's an interview in which um uh Aya Cash talks about her mom and about her mom like would write like erotic poetry and have erotic books sitting around their their tables all the time. Oh, uh, that probably prepared her for playing Gretchen. Yeah, no shit. Like <laughs> I had no idea. I know that. Yeah, poet. Ados, uh, I don't know how you say it. Adon Adonisio? Adonisio? Yeah. I'm not going to attempt it because I'll fuck it up. Like I, I'm terrible with names. I, I can never be. In, I can never do your job. I'd fuck everyone's name up. But if you just say it confidently, you can get away with it. I even. I mean, I do, do it with even friends I know. Where I was like, today we we're recording the podcast with my friend Anastasia Nicholas, and I was like, is it Nicholas? Is that right? It doesn't feel right. But I had to do this event in Canada last week for Granta. Is a, the new issue of Granta is all about Canadian fiction, Canadian literature, and um, there's a lot of stuff in French, obviously, and. Uh, I had to give introductions and I'd introduce stuff and I'd be like, Oh, I can't even do this. Like I, in my mind, it sounds right in French. And then I try and say it and I sound like a goddamn asshole. And like, and, and if I try and imitate the accent and then when I don't imitate, it, I sound stupider because it's not right. close to right. So all my jokes are just like, man, I'm sorry guys. I can't, I'm trying, I'm trying my best. And like, it was yeah. just, a, just a bumble fuck. It was horrible. My fear is that there was a, there was a uh, one one year in the Oscars and I want to say like '94 or something when um, Jack Nicholson was presenting like the Lifetime Achievement Award to uh, Michelangelo Antonioni, the Italian director, and the way he kept saying his name with Nicholson is how I, I feel like I would sound saying any foreign person's name because he was like <laughs> Michelangelo Antonioni. Yes, yes. Oh Jesus, he's like you really over enunciate with that, but that's 
just how Nicholson talks. Yeah. It's like, that's how I would say Like at first, like I'm still, I like, I fuck the names up in ways that are like prove that I'm slightly affected because I'll add an accent. that's not there. <laughs> like the first time I, like I was trying to tell everybody to read uh Dubrovka Ugrisic and I was like, Dubrovka Ugrisic. Like I was <laughs> putting right. an H at the end. That does have an I, H at the end. Does it? So you're supposed yeah. to see Grisic. Yeah. I kept saying, I think it's, I kept thinking I was being like a fucking affected prick and really that's how I, that's the right. <laughs> no, it's like, I think it's with an ooh sound though. So it's like, Ugrishish. Ugrishish. I but I've talked to her about it cause I can't say it quite right. And I, I was at her, her award when she won the, um, Noiset prize. I went out to Oklahoma to see her win this and whatever, give like an introduction. And, um, she, uh, I was like, I can't pronounce your name the right way. And she's like, I don't care. She's like, I, that's why I don't want any of the accents on there. I don't want people to be intimidated. Just say you Greshik. Who cares? doesn't matter to me. So like it was refreshing cause she, cause I can't say it correctly. And when you hear people that speak Croatian say it, it sounds like it sounds very distinctive, but it does have the H sound at the end. It's like, it's sort of like a, uh, S C H. I think I was teaching um, karaoke culture uh, one semester, uh, which is great, which the title essay is still so fantastic. Yep. And um, I did have a student who was not Croatian, but she was, I want to say, she might have been Serbian, but she was, you know, kind of schooling me on how the pronunciation should be. And I just gave up because that's when I realized I'm probably just, you know, you're going to do it right. And I'm going to fuck Yep. Good up. So, but I want to, like, I want to, I would love to have like a really deep, um, I mean, I don't think I have an accent cause I'm used to being around Chicagoans, but I would love to be like somebody from Virginia who like, you know, has your job and then like can walk around, <laughs> like go around the world and be like, I want to introduce an author now by the name of Bravka Ukrisik. Yeah. Really do it that way. would be awesome. You know, who does that, who can do that when he wants to is Will Evans from deep Bellum. Cause he lives in, he's oh, from yeah. North Carolina. He Texas. lives in Texas and he oh. can, he can drop into that accent right away. Yeah. The North Carolina accent is, I had a lot of friends from that part from North Carolina and, uh, briefly contemplated living in North Carolina oh, and, uh, well, Asheville was where I was actually supposed to live for That's a so couple awesome. It's great. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places I've ever spent, you know, three weeks and then moved back to Chicago. But, um, well, it's a long story. Basically I got dragged by back here by a terrible ex-girlfriend who kind of lied about being pregnant, but that's like, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, um, but anyway, but like when I was there, like I kept thinking, I'm going to pick up this accent. Like if I stay here, I'm going to end up, like, I'm going to go back to visit my friends and I'm going to be like, Hey y'all, what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) It just sound like that all day long. Can you hand me a pen? I write something down. I had one time when I was working at the bookstore in North Carolina, this um, woman's daughter called and, uh, and she gave me this message to tell her mom. And I was like, okay. So I went and told her mom, I was like, your daughter said something about how the hammock is already. And she's like hammock. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So she called me. She's like, oh, you mean the ham hock? And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know what that is. (laughs) Be like, you guys say shit in weird ways. Or they have things there that, that I think I know what it is. And then I find out it's not. And I feel weird. Like, uh, Like half the food they eat, you know, like fat back and shit like yeah. that. That's great. <laughs> what? That's just like fat <laughs> cut off of a steak and then you fry it and uh, serve it as a side with eggs. Uh, why not? Yeah, it's disgusting, but absolutely. That is my fear that I will like take on that I'll take on that accent, but you know, whatever. Um, well, I was in I was in uh, Belfast last year, and I, I think by the end of the two week or the week, I was like 
you know, you pick up on, on the expressions and the idioms. And so every time someone would ask something, I'd be like, when I got back to Chicago for a week, it took me to stop taking, like saying like, oh yeah, that's grand. You know, it's little things like that, like little <laughs> fucking Irish that I'm throwing out there. So I want to talk to you about Ireland, but I think we should take a pause so I can get another drink. Oh yeah, definitely. All right. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm back. Hello. Is that hey. Kaya in the background right here? Yeah, no, actually, it hey, might have been. Although, also, my daughter is in the shower next door singing. Oh, okay. I thought I heard something. So that, that you might hear her. I don't know what she's singing. Probably Hamilton. There you go. Because <laughs> she's super white. <laughs> Which is ironic because, you know, it's Puerto Rican guy does you know, who wrote that. But, you know. Yeah, and she, but she, she, she sings, she sings the raps like she's the whitest kid on earth. <laughs> Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> her, her, they both, both of my kids are way into Hamilton, though. They're not alone. It's pretty popular. I mean, yeah, people of all ages really like Hamilton. I've never heard more than like one song on TV. But same here. But I, uh, I, I hear it's I, awesome. I told him I try and find tickets at one of the one of the touring shows for this year for Christmas because it's going all around here, like Buffalo, Toronto, Cleveland. I think even in Philadelphia, that's a little bit further. But, like, there's a bunch of places that are close enough where it's like, if I could get tickets to that, that would be, like, the greatest Christmas present ever. I would win dadding. Yeah, but be careful because when you do something that great, then, like, every year after is a letdown. Oh, yeah. No, I'm a- I'm fully prepared to disappoint them. Like, I okay. have no problems with that. Like, Okay, good. They, yeah. They've been with me for 10 and 13 years. Like, they're pretty accustomed to disappointment. <laughs> Like there's a there's a high point and then it's just staggering years of disappointment. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, good. So when you guys, where did you guys go? So have I told you about my Ireland thing for next year? No. Wait. What are you going? So okay. So the University of Rochester has something called the Alumni Travel Club. I think it's just oh you did travel club. Yeah, you did tell me you're going to Dublin, right? We're going to Dublin and then across to Galway, down to Kilkenny and Killarney, and then back to Dublin. Oh, cool! And it's two weeks. It's or it's it's maybe longer than that because I think it's July first through the eighteenth. It's right in the middle of the oh, World okay. Cup, which poor Ireland has no participants in. But um, no. and it's, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, whoops! Um, I don't think but so. they'll still be watching. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, they'll still be watching. But they didn't they didn't qualify. I don't think. I might I might be mistaken. One of them was still. I think the Republic of Ireland was playing. Uh, it's second leg last time I checked and I forgot to see who won, but let's assume they didn't make it because they're bad. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so like they invited me because they're like, well, we want people who are like entertaining hosts. And, uh, they'd heard that I was like good working with donors, um, because I'll tell them jokes or whatever. And, um, and so they're like, well, we want, you know, this is going to be our most literary trip is the Ireland one. So if you want to be like the, the expert or like the academic part of it you can and i was like sure 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 that sounds great like we worked at delky archive it's named after irish book published all the fun o'brien books published like a bunch of other like irish authors that are like elf mclaughlin and um mm-hmm. god who else was part of that uh credenza as well oh what's that guy's name blanking aiden um aiden higgins as well yeah, Eden Higgins is who I'm thinking of. Yeah, Credenza is by someone else, but I can't think of it. But anyways, so a bunch of Irish books. I was like, yeah, that'd be super cool. And I love Joyce, as you do. I have not finished my uh, Finnegan's Wake, but I'm going to finish it before this trip. Because um, I'm just going to go dive back in and say, fuck it. Um, I read like two-thirds of it and then stopped. 
Um, yeah, you read a lot of it, and it's not like it's not like you need to catch up on the plot. So yeah. exactly, I'm just going to reread the beginning of the like the the one that explains most of it, and then just go right back in because it doesn't matter. But um, the uh, and so and it's like oh, this will be cool. This will be cool. You know, whatever. And I went to the first meeting with the people. They had like an open house for like people who wanted to come, and it's all old people. And I just I don't know what assumptions I was working under, but I think they were basically that like these people have never been to Ireland and, you know, they're just going and, and whatever you can tell them is fun. So if I'm like, you know, Ulysses is basically a love letter to Nora giving, giving James a hand job on a bench that they'll be yeah. like thoroughly titillated by that and entertained. Oh no, no. These people are like fucking world-class travelers who are very wealthy and very, very much like they've been to Ireland several times. They want to know like what kind of literary things I'm going to add. Am I going to take them to particular oh, bars or places? And I was like, I've never been to Ireland. Like I am like way out of my oh, league. Way out of oh, my league. Oh well. No, nah, you can you can brush up on that in no time. I mean, if you're gonna be in Dublin uh, obviously, there's there's so many Joyce things. Uh, I've actually never been to Dublin. I'm, I'm going with my wife in March, though. We're going to, for a week to Dublin. Oh, shit, that's awesome. Um, so, well, we're thinking of also going like elsewhere, like in the week. But we have the week in Dublin for sure. That's super. Cool. Um, but everything I know about it is just like you can't like throw a fucking rock in that town without hitting a statue of Wilder Joyce or somebody. Yep. Um, and you know you can just look up look up the, the classic uh, landmarks from Ulysses. Yep. Um, if, if it's Finnegan's Wake, taking the Phoenix Park. Apparently, if you go to Phoenix Park, there is like a Finnegan's Wake tour that you can that you can get. Oh, um, that's perfect. That's mostly where like the Finnegan's where that takes place. And if you're brushing up on that anyway, because everyone's gonna probably know the the the, the um, Ulysses shit. Like everyone knows like you know all those famous landmarks, and they may have even like done that. But like if you can get even more esoteric and take them on the Finnegan's Wake tour. That's, that's baller. There is like it is yeah. the thing that I'm sort of confused about that I'll find out as time goes on is that we have a tour guide. It's operated by a company, um, Od- is it Odyssey or Emerald Isle- Isles or something. I don't know, but they they sure. do a lot of like Irish tours, so they have like a system. There's a person who will be taking us and will show us all the things that we need to see, and I'm just supposed to add like you know literary color. So I've been reading a lot of Irish books that I have not read before or ones that I'm like gonna go back to or check out, especially like contemporary ones. And we're going to do like a whole Irish book club beginning in January, like every right. six weeks or so reading a different Irish book to like get them prepared and excited about Irish culture. Um, and like that's so Dublin, that's part's going to be OK, but we're only there for like five days, maybe four or five days. Though like Galway, <laughs> Kenny, Killarney, that yeah. part's a little trickier to like figure out how to tie things in or or whatnot. But there's one guy who's going who's this amazing, this guy that's super cool. He's a super nice guy and he's a huge donor to the university. He's like endowed a professorship and he wants to go solely if I will go out to drink whiskey with him at every distillery Ooh. we can find. <laughs> well, there you go. I was like, yeah, oh yeah, I'm in. He's like, what are you going to do to like add literary things? He's like, I'll tell you guys some jokes and some stories. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But let's drink whiskey. That's all you need to do. I mean, if you just drink the whiskey, I mean, even if you go to like I mean, there's so many brewers and distilleries and beautiful things. If you get to check that out, you'll be yeah, you'll be you'll be able to fill in a lot of uh, stuff as you go along. Um, Keeping keep the tradition of like you know, as horribly stupid and stereotypical as this is, like the blarney of you know the Irish, like that's what it's all about. Like just do it on the fly. Oh know? yeah, just make sure do it on the day. Go. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I'm with it. I wish I could remember. What's the? Are you reading contemporary or just reading all over? I'm reading uh, all over. So I'm going to go back. The next thing I'm going to read is the Aran Islands book by Singh, um, James yeah. Singh, um, yeah. and then read uh, Playboy of the Western World. Um, the stuff. next two things I was going to read, but there's a new uh, book, a contemporary book that I want to read, maybe even this weekend, just because it's like Thanksgiving and I can pretend that I'm, you know, I have to read. I have to read Irish books, the books for my class, the books for the press, and then something for fun. Otherwise, I go sort of mad. But um, yeah. the uh, the Irish book I might choose is this Groton and Me. That's from uh, Dalkey Archive as well. And a listener to our Three Percent podcast, I mentioned that I was doing this, and that if anyone had any suggestions to send them, he sent. He's from Ireland. And he sent a shitload, and most of them I sort of knew, like um, the City of Bohane. Or right. however you say that, and like um, uh, the Imer McBride, but this Groton and Me I had just bought because it was like a fat Delkey book that's supposed to be funny, and he said it's the best the best book about the contemporary Irish situation that's been written in years. However, it's like so Irish that no one outside will understand it, which is intriguing to me. Yeah, I feel like that's that is never true. I feel like that's a that lie. Is, <laughs> that is something people always say. I know, but. I think we're living in, in, in the era where it's easy to like uncode things that maybe yes. might be a little bit esoteric. I mean, once upon a time, it was tougher. Same thing with like reading. I mean, reading like Ulysses or anything like that now is so much. Like, I don't understand why people read don't read these things now. Whereas I feel like when I was first like looking into that book, like there's no way I would have been able to penetrate that uh, and get anything out of it without like, you know, the, you know, the fact that I can look up references galore, um, yeah. and, like so quickly, like I know there have always been the guides in the books and the Joyce industry has produced all that, but like reading like Finnegan's wake, I didn't really rely too heavily on the guides. I just kind of read some of them a little bit, but like when I was reading the chapter where it's the, um, you know, the, the, the Anna Liva Plurabella with all the rivers. So it's like, just randomly, I would be in the middle of that and just say, here's a word I don't recognize. I bet you if I Google it, I'll see some body of water and there it is a river in like somewhere in Russia. Right. And it's just like little things like that, that you can do now with, with just the, like the click of a few buttons. I kind of love... takes away all the, like all the, the, the difficulty and mystery for a lot of these things. Absolutely. Every it used to be when I was going through that, it was every Tuesday I'd read like 10 pages or eight pages um, to be able to make it by the end. And so my Tuesday night thing, I didn't have the kids. I would like sit and uh, have a glass of wine and work through and just puzzle out whatever I could puzzle out. And there'd be so many times where I'd see a word like you're saying and just type it in and be like, you go down a rabbit hole. Like you couldn't yes. very easily not leave a page or a line like it's it's and that book is so incredible because it's like it's it's it is like an illuminated manuscript in a way because once you get it you're in on a level that you're never you you, you don't experience in a normal book by any means like it's yeah so, there's so many things going on at once that every little thing is another trigger and and most other books have some some things that are tossaways but there's no tossaway in there because everything's too loaded with meaning which is kind of the problem like there's too yeah. there's so many jokes and there's so many bits that you can keep kind of digging past it um, and never end and that, that I I'd sort of check myself and be like I'm gonna investigate the things I really want to but I also feel like this is a book I'm gonna need to read like three times over my life. Yeah, it's definitely not something that like I'll ever feel I I, I comfortably have a grip on. Right. Um, but that's like part of the whole thing. You have to surrender yourself to that book um, completely and not read it the way you would read did necessarily you, another one. Did you ever read that section of Jerusalem from um, Alan Moore? 
that I think I, I, no. I texted you about this or sent you a message. So Jerusalem is a fucking gigantic book that Alan Moore wrote over I don't know how many years, and it came out last last Christmas or last fall to like no attention basically, or like a few people talked about it. I don't think anyone bought it. I think everyone was intimidated by it, and it's motherfucking genius. It is so good and there's a section like it's broken up into three parts and you can buy it as a paperback with three volumes sort of like the 2666 thing where it's in a slipcase and um there's no point in like explaining what each of the volumes is but the third one in particular is all different styles from all different writers and different eras of of literature and there is a finnegan's wake section in there because um Livia Joyce was in, it's all about Northampton, England. Um, I think that's the right city. It sounds right. Um, but uh, sure. where, where Alan Moore is from. And and she was in the insane asylum there. So it's like her talking about her life in Finnegan's Wake speech and Finnegan's Wake style. And it's the closest thing I've ever seen to like replicating what's, what's good about Finnegan's Wake. And what's so interesting about her, that style, what's so interesting about reading Jerusalem is that unlike Finnegan's Wake, where it's like a lot of things are like the Danish references or the languages I don't know, or like right. and references to like kings and things I don't know. This was all references to stuff that I sort of do know. So I was able to like appreciate it on a secondary level, where it's like this is great because it is playing with how you break up words and all that kind of stuff, and it's 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 just as slows you down just as much. It's very complicated um, and very fun. But it was like once I started getting parts of it, I'd be like, man, I get I get this um, in a way that like. I'll never get Finnegan's Wake because I'm not of that time. Like we right, can't read right. it then. We didn't have it's, this knowledge. Like I have to imagine that's that it's I've always wondered this because like you read something like Finnegan's Wake now with the benefit of all the scholarship that has been devoted to it. And I haven't read nearly all the the like critical texts that I even own about that book that I assembled over the last year or so. But like, you know, the ones that I've read, it's like there they were some illuminating things that were really inter- that I never would have gotten if I wasn't reading that. But then you ask the question of like, who the fuck was the was the person who when this came out in like 36, I think it was, yeah. who was who was like saying, Oh, Oh, this is this is you know I, this is worth it. I, I see something here that I recognize. Like you're saying, the Jerusalem. Like because I, I know a lot of initial readers were really pissed at the book and, and, and like reacted hostily to it. Like Ezra Pound and a lot of people who were choice supporters even said like what a waste. But you know the idea that somebody saw this and recognized enough of the references or enough of what was going on to decide that it was like approachable in that way. Whereas I'm yes. benefiting from all that because because I'm not of the era. You're right. I'm totally not of that era. Yeah, and yeah. it's so cool. I have a friend who uh, just got back from Dublin, and so she's kind of charmed by, like, you know, the Dublin experience. And she's like, oh, I picked up Finnegan's Awake and started looking at it. And she goes, it's, it's such a dream language. It's so surreal. She's like, I, I think I want to spend some time with this. And everyone on her on her Facebook feed was like, oh, good luck, you know, and all this. And I'm writing. I'm like, you can fucking do it. Like, yeah. don't. Don't don't worry about the fact that you're not like, like just accept the fact that you're not going to get it like that. There's something in this book you will probably respond to. And that's enough for your first like go around with it. And I've only gone through it the one time. But like I also still feel like and this is completely indefensible as a as a thesis. But like when I'm reading that book, there's moments where like you do start to not make sense of of it in the way that you, that I assume Joyce would want a reader to. But like it does kind of start to make a weird kind of sense like you do 
you start to get into that book in a way where you feel like you're communicating with it uh, better than you were, you know, like a week ago. Yes. Um, and it's also the thing where, like, I would see things in there that were completely coincidental references to other things that I was reading or thinking or whatever that would blow my mind because it's like everything in the world is in this goddamn book yeah. if, if, I, if I want to look for it. I think that, yeah, one of the sections I remember that hitting particularly strongly was the one where they're in the bar and it has the description of essentially TV. Yeah. And it's like this. And I know that's one of the ones I think people point out, but it's like, I was reading that. It's just like, holy shit, I understand this completely. And he's describing television. There's one other, one of the things I thought was funny about reading Finnegan's Wake was like, I would read it. And then I kind of go to the guides to get like, you know, what did they say about this? Because I, I at the moment where I would read until I felt like I didn't know what the fuck. And then I would yeah. go look at the guides to sort of re re give me the, the railroad lines to get the tracks to get back on. And there's one pr- passage in particular. I remember reading being like, man, this is the this passage all about fucking. And like, this is a <laughs> crazy sex passage. And then I'd go look in the guides and they like ignore that. Every time uh-huh. I was like, oh, dude, I totally understand this. I understand what this is about, and it would be like not well, mentioned at all. I believe that because as body as Joyce clearly was, mm-hmm. um, people like it's interesting to read critics of you know his era or slightly after who kind of try to like either sidestep that or clean it up a little. Like they always when you read people talk about Ulysses. They always talk about the chapter where Bloom is on the beach and he's jerking off watching, um, you know, the girl with the garters. Yep. And I know that that's intentionally Joyce writing in a style that was mimicking like like the pop pulpy, you know, romance novels, because uh, the language does start to take on that like stupidly florid Especially quality. when it's from her perspective, because she was yes. she was steeped yes. in that. Yeah. So I, I understand he's parroting that and people, critics will always highlight the purpose of this chapter is to, is Joyce kind of giving the finger to that shitty, like kind of genre. But I also feel like while that's true, Joyce got off on that chapter. Oh, like, yeah. Joyce, he fucking jerked off to his own writing. I know oh, it. for like, sure. You know? Like the idea that Joyce is somehow doing that solely as this intellectual, like no. elitist looking down on that. I mean, there's that, but he's also like, he was just as titillated by that shit. And, and he looks down on it in a way that's like not dismissive because it's like how these people are constructed. Like that's what that, that girl, what's her name? Gertie, Gertie McDowell. Gertie, Gertie McDowell. Yeah. Gertie McDowell. Like that's what she, her life was built out of. And that's what a lot of people's lives are built out of is like the, 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 whatever the culture you consume, the media that you consume and you you sort of map your beliefs and your hopes and your aspirations onto that. So like, I, I, I don't, yeah, it's like looking down on it, but it's also like really good at characterizing that person, especially because she gets up and she has the limp. Like, you know, yes. she's like, she's lame. And, um, and that's part of it is so like, the fantasy, the fantasy yeah. that she's cultivated. Yeah. It's clearly indicative. I love, I, I always think of that chapter because I think of when I was reading it, uh, in summertime in Chicago, on the beach next to my wife. And I brought Ulysses, which is, you know, my sort of like lit geek, uh, thing that there, it's like everyone's reading like you know these bad like you know spy novels or something poppy, and I'm reading fucking Ulysses in a hardback, and uh, <laughs> laying there getting a tan reading this, and I started reading that section aloud, and my wife and I were just cracking up the entire time as I'm reading it because it's really funny. Oh yeah, um, but Joyce is so funny, and I feel like Finnegan's Wake is so funny, and, and people don't really like like I, I it's too 
people see that goddamn thunder word on page one and that's oh, like yeah. it just sends them away because you know huh. that's that's what they're designed to do i guess but absolutely I, oh god i think oh man i reread ulysses last summer for bloomsday um and finished it on bloomsday so i could go around and drink at all the irish bars in town um and and i i mean it really hit home this time i read it one other time when i was just out of college working at the bookstore and used like the cliff notes to like sort of guide me through and i remember liking it but being like i don't really you know i don't think i really get this and then like this time I, I read it by myself but i found like this um uh it's not a podcast but like a, on audible they have like those great courses i don't know where yeah, they come from yeah. and they have one on ulysses and i listened to it along with i read it along with that and um and it was the it was one of the best experiences like i think this year like fuck 2017 for all the reasons that everyone wants to fuck 2017 but like i have had some of the, my best media experiences this year like reading rereading ulysses was amazing at the beginning of beginning end of the school year right up through through june 16th and then right after that was when twin peaks started the return and that was the best experience of my life watching that every week and getting further and further into this like crazy 18 hour david lynch movie and just i'm just absolutely captivated and absorbed by that like i looking back on 2017 like those for me were like that was this was a great year for like art for me yeah, that's how I measure years these days, because I know every year just gets like politically feels worse to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 2016 was such a staggeringly shit year for me. Like it fucking sucked. So like I'm working on a book right now that I was writing all through 2016. And like I'm on draft three because the first draft was so completely depressing and just miserable <laughs> that like the feedback I got from it, which was rightfully so. Cause like it was such a mess of a manuscript was like, you need to consider people are, might want to read this and no one's going to want to look at this. It's too bleak. Cause it was all written. Like it was a fucking shit year. Like everything, like there was the whole campaign, which was draining for the entire country. Um, you know, it was the thing where every celebrity was dying. David Bowie, my hero dies. Um, right. I was dealing with everything. Like one of my best friends in the world died who used to be my boss. Oh, my fucking dog died in 2015 at the end of it so i was depressed about that Jesus. for the whole year it was like every shitty thing that could happen and like everything that i was reading that year was also like the darkest gloomiest shit like i read finnegan's wake in 2015 so 2016 i had like this almost like the every animal is sad after coitus experience of like what do i follow up how do i follow up with this yeah like i need a big i need a big daunting ambitious book but I didn't kind of have it in me. So that's why I think I started reading nothing but poetry because it's the kind of thing where it's like, I can, you don't have to sit back. Like I can read like, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I don't feel like the bum that I'm not finishing like an entire fat book. Cause I'm reading like several slim volumes. Plus that's also the year I went to the Belfast thing, which was like, that's... made me, made me kind of geek out about poetry. So you're not going to get oh, up right to Belfast. No, no, no. They keep it all, keep it all Southern. That's, I'm hoping to get back there, like at least for it's a two hour train ride. I want to check it out again. It is one of my favorite like vacations I took, even though it was like a workshop. Um, it's super still cool. kind of, uh, still kind of a cool vacation. So I definitely dug, and it's definitely a place for people who are poetry geeks because everywhere you go, it's like <laughs> Seamus Heaney was here and Louis McNeese and like you know Paul Muldoon <laughs> and like every like major Irish poet. Like it's like the place to be for them. Like Dublin is like you know Joyce and and you know things like that. And then like you go to Belfast and it's all like heaney country and shit like that so. and like, yeah well that's interesting so you're like into the because i always feel like the northern ireland ireland split is is that i mean that's still pretty significant right 
It is to an extent. Like I met um, people there from kind of all over the world, but most of them were UK residents. Um, but like one guy that I'm in touch with, uh, my buddy Dean, who's like, you know, this kid who's in his twenties and writes poetry and is talented as fuck. Um, I met him there at the conference and he's from Cork, um, um, in, in, you know, actual Republic of Ireland. Yeah. So what was interesting was there was a moment where like he was up there and, um, you know, like you do sort of like not being from that part of the world, you might conflate a little bit like Northern Ireland and Ireland. Um, but like, you know, talking to him a little bit about like, you know, Cork Ireland versus Belfast and people who are from there, like you do kind of get a sense of the difference, but it's not a split that was ever like a, a an acrimonious okay. thing. Like it feels very, very unified in that weird way, yeah. but there are like signs, like you, you will see graffiti sometimes. That's very surprisingly like, like hostile towards the idea of unification because it's still very much like people who believe, you know, fuck, we need to be part of the UK and we're Protestant and, you know, fuck the fucking tags, which is a terribly derogative word for Catholics. Man. And then like, you might get like very pro like unification. So you'll see like graffiti. That's all about like, you know, let's like kick the British out and let's be like, you know, there's still people fighting that war in their heads. It's still a little bit contentious. Yeah. But, you know, but I was in the South of Belfast, you know, near the university Queens and it's like, everything is very lovely and trendy. Um, but like you take a, tour of like the west or the east and it gets a little bit more you know you can see people have like their loyalty still it's fucking weird <laughs> that is yeah I, I mean i always i always like in my mind would always side with the like, i was raised catholic but that's not necessarily part of it but i like that i like people who are rebelling so like anyone who's like rebelling i'm just like oh yeah i'm on your side like almost almost unanimously yeah. like as a knee-jerk reaction like to a fault i think but like just be like yeah yep yep you're 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 trying to beat out the uk is taking you over and investing stuff i'm on your side automatically no i'm, I'm the same i have this weird like my, my, my new jerk is to sort of sympathize with that uh entity yeah. but at the same time it's like which is, which is interesting because when i was there like so much of the literature that i've read from belfast which is like there's this great book called belfast confetti by uh, kieran carson who's a book of poems but it's like very like the poems are long. I mean, like the lines are long. They're not like yeah. clipped. They just keep kind of take over. And, and there's like a lot of, there's a prose section in the middle of it. It's a weird book, but so much of it is about like, you know, he grew up in like the Catholic section and was, you know, see, you know, saw bombings every day and shit like that. So like reading it and sort of like, I already have the sympathy of like fucking Brit suppressing Protestant <laughs> motherfuckers, even though like, I'm not like, you know, but, like the IRA did some truly ghastly and horrible things. That's hard yeah. to defend at the same time. It's like, That's true. same thing with like, when I read about like the same, Sandinistas or I read about any like rebelling force I, I'm always on their side but there's this part of me that also has to remember like there's some atrocities on both sides it's <laughs> hard to admit like communism wasn't clean <laughs> it's not like everybody was just you know you know cheery on the you know in, in the revolutions you know no. like the Stalin you know the Trotskyites did some shit yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> fucking Trotskyites there's no. This is different than like uh, than your poetry, but you know what book you would really like that we published this past year is the invented part by Rodrigo Frazan. Oh, I don't know why I haven't read that. I Holy know him. Shit, dude. Why oh, haven't I know? Yeah, yeah, I know the name. Um, he had that book Kensington Gardens that came out. Kensington Gardens. That's the one. Yeah, he, is he Argentine? Yes, but he lives in yeah. Spain. So. Kensington Gardens right, is about like a, a guy that writes like a J.K. Rowling, Peter Pan sort of like uh, book and kidnaps the kid that's like playing the star in the movie and tells right. him like his life story. Right. OK. Yeah. So Rodrigo was kidnapped as a kid. 
Oh, Jesus, really? And, yeah, and apparently, like, he's like, and it was the best time of my life. Like, he's like, it was, oh my it God. was an amazing adventure to be kidnapped um, and held for ransom. Like, <laughs> that's, that's wild. Beautiful. So, I, so I met him, I, I've met him a few times, but I saw him in Barcelona, I was there in Spain in, in uh, September, right? And, uh, and the whole time, he had been, we had been doing this two-month review. That's another one. So I have Twin Peaks, rereading Ulysses, and the Invented Part, which came out this year from the press, and we did our first uh, two-month review podcast where we read that book bit by bit by bit by bit by bit over 10 weeks, and it's the best way to experience that book. Like, anyone, like, it's a great book, and you can read it on your own, but you read it with our, like, crazy, fucking hilarious, weird podcast, and you'll be like, this is the best book that's ever been written. It's great. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so so good and we had so many great guests Jonathan Lethem on there and various people that came on to talk about it and that knew his work or didn't but like we're all like captivated by different aspects to it because it's a wild wild book and it's part of a trilogy that's still being finished um Anyways, the um, so so I went to meet him because he told me along the way he'd listen to the podcast, he'd make jokes about it. He came on at the end, but he told me that like his book Mantra that we're publishing in God knows how many years, um, that there's a bartender that made a drink called the Mantra that's in his honor and named after him, right? So he went to Barcelona, he went to this bar. It's like this little divey sort of. It's not really divey, but it's like a tiny little bar in like a not like it doesn't look like a bar. Like there's the signs outside just make it look like it's someone's house and so you go right. inside and the guy makes us these mantras and they're like um oh pisco uh tequila grapefruit juice and ginger beer i think or ginger ale and um the guy that made them is david bowie's personal bartender in spain <laughs> and um bowie had a personal bartender in spain i love it who traveled with him who toured with him and make his drinks i guess like a crazy, right? So like it's this old guy now, like and he and he made these drinks and the and Rodrigo's like, oh, you know, the best thing about mantras is you only need one and a half and then you're set for the night. And after like wow. our third one, <laughs> it's yeah, like, of course, it's like it's like yeah, fucking love you, man. <laughs> it's like, this drink is the best. It's so good, but it's so funny and it's and it won an award for like the best new drink in Barcelona. Oh, oh, if I would have known that I have, uh, one of my tutors, I, I like one of my new sort of job aside from teaching is I'm running the, the, uh, tutoring center for writing tutors. Ooh. Uh, and so like, they're all like these, you know, young people who are, you know, students, but they're peer tutors. Yeah. One of them is in Barcelona right now. No shit. And if I would have known that I would have totally recommended that she try this drink. If I could figure out to tell you where the fuck that was, like he took us, he met him somewhere. He took us there. We had the drinks and then his wife drove us back to our hotel. <laughs> oh, I imagine she would have had to. She's like, Rodrigo doesn't drive. And she's like, I think it's because it, then he can just drink. <laughs> oh, God. I, I read Kensington Gardens years ago. Dude, I really like it's That's good. So that's I, a good book. Invented Part is a phenomenal book. And, like, yeah, got the next yeah, two parts of it are the, the dreamed part and then the remembered part. And he's finishing the remembered part now. And he's including shit that I tell him about our publication of the invented part here because it's all kind of about a writer or about someone who wants to become a writer who in the invented part 
um, it's it's got like uh, seven different sections that are sort of broken up into different parts, but they deal with like different aspects of this author's life. And the main bit is that he's old, his shit hasn't worked out so much anymore. He was popular at a time, but now you know time has passed by. People are into new things like Game of Thrones, and um, and he's not <laughs> a, a real author anymore in the eyes of many. So he decides that if he could break into into CERN into like the the large hadron collider and somehow merge merge with the god particle then maybe he'll become a god and be able to rewrite like life <laughs> and rewrite history and uh and make things work better as an as the ultimate author and um and so it sort of plays with that idea from like a sci-fi angle but the whole time it's steeped in like Fitzgerald the main the herb book for that for that thing is Tender as the Night by Fitzgerald oh, and, nice. it, and it's the whole thing is sort of centered around that and it tells the story in all these different ways from all these different angles and there's a chapter right in the middle because it's super circular and the fourth chapter is the, the chapter in which it lays out like here are all the pieces like here are the pieces of what I'm doing um, and explains it in this very weird specific way and then all the rest of it sort of falls out from there and you get to see like how he's toying with these ideas but um for the dreamed part or for the remembered part the one he's working on now like we invented I don't know if you get messages from her but I invented a publicist because I was convinced that like people didn't want to get messages from me like reviewers didn't they wanted to get messages from like a young woman so I invented a young woman and she sends emails to people (laughs) and she replies to them and all these old dudes write to her and she replies to them in her speech which is like always like heavily like way more like I like using exclamation points because it's sort of like almost ironic in a way but like she's very invested in that and she has run on sentences <laughs> and can't like ever quite Things don't ever get formulated quite the right way, but they just sort of add the the, the initiative of, of passion behind them. And like she's she's a particular character, and um, so he's, <laughs> he's incorporating parts of her into his new book. It's like, oh, it's beautiful, <laughs> which is great. God. Yeah, and her name's so. Yeah, what's her name? Kim Wait, Hamilton Cox. Okay, I don't know. I, I got to look into that because Kim Hamilton Cox does not exist anywhere online, except as like a there's a Hamilton Cox. I think it's like Kimberly. That's like a famous model or something. So like it's not her, and she's not on. So Facebook. She, you didn't create like an avatar and a Facebook page and all that shit. No, but people reference her on Facebook and try and tag her, and they can't because she's not there. There's no there's no one <laughs> by the same. And so she's not real, but like people refer to her regularly. Like I've had interviews I mean, with people who are like, oh yeah, Kim's been updating me on these books, and they're like. Way more into it than when I send them messages. But I decided I had to kill her off. Or not kill her off, just get rid. So she's graduated. She's moved on now. Um, oh, she's. So you should have killed her off. Because you're a new person. I was going to have her leave after AWP and just be like, fuck this noise. Like, <laughs> I hate books and writers. <laughs> I'm out. Just, you know, print is dead. Yeah. <laughs> I decided to go take a job at on. Netflix. Yes, yes, that's the future. I'm looking forward, not backward. You fucking luddites. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You would just know like a big just drop books. a bomb on everybody. It would be amazing to send See, one like, crazy is... ass screed from her Mailchimp account to like everyone. Just like just one fucking random, very weird email, and then have to have them apologize for it and be like, "I'm sorry." Like those are outgoing. Like person, you know. I didn't mean to have her send that to you guys. That would be a great controversy to manufacture. You should. I mean, what do you, what do you have to lose? I mean, I, you're already. It's not illegal, I guess, right? No, no. There's nothing like illegal or immoral. I mean, as far as I can tell, you're not like playing on. You're not milking this for any benefit. You're you're, you're solely just 
doing this as a weird sort of experiment to see how people respond to her messages versus yours, which clearly they like her better. Oh, they definitely do. They uh, old dudes love young sounding women. That's 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 what's really kind of telling and creepy about it. But like, I totally believe it. Yep. I mean, one hundred percent. There's this guy in Canada who just emails her all the time. Like it got to a point where I just stopped replying. Cause, and I, I replied That's as great. myself because I was like, this is just getting to be a little too much. Like, I'm not entirely sure how to take this. So you basically just catfished the publishing world. Yeah, I catfished the publishing <laughs> that's, that's That's kind of what this sounds like to me. You're right. That is not yeah. moral. That's immoral. No, no, it's, it's fuck it. Who I mean, <laughs> so. We got know, so many the, more reviews when she did this. She got us into the onion. So there you go. I mean, what's the harm, ultimately? I mean, this is, I think, what people do in the era of the internet. They're using the tool in that way, because, like, what else is this for? I, so, like, when the, shit, I, I mean, no idea. My, favorite, my favorite thought about this comes from, uh, you know, uh, Jeanette Winterson, the writer, oh, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, year, years ago, I conned my way into an interview with her. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, I got, I got an interview with her published on Rain Taxi. Um, I, I lied to uh, her publicist or her manager and said that I was uh, that I had like already like people set up to publish an interview. She would consent to it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, sure, you can meet her at a hotel. She's going to be in Chicago for a reading." And uh, like, I had no one lined up to publish it. Yeah. I just had to like shop around afterwards. But I did like Rain Taxi. I was happy oh, to get yeah. it there. So like, like my wife and I went to her hotel room in the middle of the day. I had to take like an extra long lunch break from work. Oh and, uh, like I just called her at, at her room and, and she was supposed to meet me at like the bar. And she was like, Oh, I don't want to meet down there. Just come up to my room. So we like <laughs> went up to her room. We're like, we're going up to Jeanette Winterson's room. This and is Jeanette so Winterson's cool. actually like an old fat hairy dude. <laughs> no, I would have been awesome. Just like, yeah, just somebody with like a cockney. Like, yeah. Bro, sex in the cherry. I did. <laughs> No, she was she was a lovely woman who answered all my questions, and we She's had a, a really great chat. And we, I don't know why we were talking a little bit about the internet. And uh, I mean, this is going back like ten years, yeah. so the internet was obviously still a thing. But it was still like her comments, and it always stays with me. She goes, "I think the internet is really interesting because she goes, I know people shouldn't be pretending to be other people online." She's like, but I'm such a Virginia Woolf fan that I can't help but think of Orlando when I think of like some man oh, yeah. pretending to be a woman yep. online. It's like it is like Orlando in a sense. It's changing your your gender, yeah, uh, in this way that I thought was really kind of fascinating. Like if you think about it that way, it's like you can kind of cultivate because I know people who have cultivated online personas that are so unlike the people that I know in reality. Um, but like they've like managed to like like squeeze some sort of notoriety out of that, and like you know more power to them. I kind of figure like that's that's kind of what the internet should be. It is absolutely, but there's like that weird. So yeah, so the internet like has that problem, and, and, and this is not going to sound new or or all that like intellectual, but there is that problem where like the freedom of it allows you to be who you want to be in whatever way you can do it, and you have the anonymity to play around with that. And then at the same time, like because of the capitalist notions, like accountability is extremely important to capitalist uh, enterprises, right? So, like, the internet wants to be very both anonymous and absolutely exacting at the same time and that doesn't that, that's why it, that's why it ends up being a little bit fucked up like why you have all the twitter things that are like verified users and like getting the check mark next to the name to show who you are and like all the fun of it is sort of being lost at times because people are like oh that's not you know that's not okay to like right. pretend to be someone else in a chat room you need to be who you are you can't leave comments anonymously criticizing things because that's not that's not taking responsibility for your statements like you're hurting people 
people by being like a, a fake person and not like and trolling them instead of like being who you are and being authentic. Like the authenticity versus the play um, comes comes up a lot, I think, in terms of like the internet's function. And it's and it sort of it depresses does, but- me because it should be all about fun. I mean, I think it's, I kind of go into the realm thinking like you do, you don't want to be a dick and you should be responsible. So obviously trying to be a troll, yeah, but being a dick is fun though sometimes. But right? that's the point like, of the internet to me. It's like the internet, I used to say it brings out the absolute like worst part of me. Like I, I I'm the like, yeah. worst version of myself online. Like it's, it's sort of like the things that like I have friends who teach online classes and I'm going to teach one in the summer Dude, and I'm a little worried because I am such a dick online to my students. Like if they ask me a question, I'll send them an email that's merciless. But if I see them in person, I totally cave. I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah. There's an extension on your paper yeah. or whatever. Absolutely. Because I, I really feel like, like that's just, that's just like what, what it does to me. But I kind of feel like the internet, like, I go into that knowing that everyone on it is kind of presenting their best, their best version of themselves or the, the version of themselves they want to be. And so I kind of feel like, all right, I know that. So I'm, I'm not taking a lot of this seriously, but I know people, I think maybe are younger perhaps who, who, who like, you know, have a different attitude towards it, like really do kind of get bent out of shape. If somebody does leave a comment and they don't have their real name or something right. like my Facebook name, like I have two Facebook accounts now because one of them is the one that I needed to have my real name on because I wanted to promote like the book. And the other one is like my one I've had for years, which is just like an abbreviation of my yeah. name because my original fear was I didn't want people. I didn't want, I didn't, you know, want finding me, finding me. And so it's like, you know, but, but it gives me a certain freedom because it's like, I can write shit and like, who cares? It's not Vincent Franconi. It's like, you know, you know, whatever stupid name I have. That, yeah, that, man, it is such a complicated world with that. I mean, at the same time, like, millennials, I'll use millennials as, like, a catch-all for, like, younger people or people who are, like, woke or, like, into into whatever, who, who want all the pronoun, like, you to t- say what your pronouns are and to be able to be what you want to be. And at the same time, those are the people that, that most overreact to, like, bad jokes on the internet. Or like yeah. just off statements, um, and it becomes it, it. It's it's hard to it's hard to like, you create your own filter and you create your own bubble and you don't leave that very often. And then when you do, it's generally out of hostility. And I think that that's that's a weird problem with the way that this has ended up functioning for us, like for the world. It is interesting to no. It, it's interesting to consider the way that like my like somebody my age is is looking at a story versus somebody younger and like the one thing i never want to be is like the dude who just dismisses somebody's response to a story or a joke or an event uh because they're younger and because i go ah you don't know or something because i do kind of feel like i like like i'm very conscious of not becoming the in my day we did it like this and that was how i was raised so that must be the correct fucking way to process the story right but it's like at the same time i do also have the criticism that a lot of people my age have of you know the millennial like overly sensitive reaction to things and the safe spaces and all that which i I think is absurd that like i work at a university and you know i i know that my and my university has in their mission statement that we are a social justice or institution and i teach a class called writing social justice so we talk about it fucking constantly yeah and like 
my biggest problem with is I do want to like, like I always tell them, like, if you care about shit, like you can't just hashtag it. You got to like actually really do something besides just complaining about shit. Cause I yeah. think that's my only real concern with the internet generation, uh, which I am a part of frankly, because at the end I, I've, you know, I've been spending more than 20 years online yep. is like, it does lead to a lot of let's bitch about something and feel like we did something when we're not doing jack shit. Yeah. Except just sharing a story. And I feel like it's the most facile way of dealing with problems that we have, which is outrage culture and things like that, Absolutely. which are legitimate responses, but like, it's just the response goes nowhere. Yeah. And it, everything is dialed up to like 15 and, and all, <laughs> at, at so many points in time online. And I, that, yeah, I mean, it is what you're saying is absolutely true. And it is, it is sort of complicated and strange because there are like those reactions like that are valid and are fine. Um, and yet there is like this weird, like you can't, all these voices need to exist. Like I, what was the, um, did you read about the YA Twitter thing? This is the perfect, perfect, uh, example of what, what's troublesome. So like there's this huge shit storm about these two young adult books that came out. One was called like the something, Witch. I don't remember what it was, something, Witch. and the other one came out more recently and it's by a woman named Laura Moriarty. And I can't think of what the title of it was, but in both of these, um, advanced reader copies went out to a certain number of YA reviewers and in both instances, different like popular YA book reviewers were very critical because the main characters of the books didn't realize that they were being racist until too many pages had gone by. It was too late in the book for them to come to the realization that the world they lived in was racist and horrible towards certain groups of people. And that 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 was too long in coming, so the book was 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 painful and like and racist and bad for like portraying these these things. And um so the the for too long like it was it's weird because it's like a hero's journey right like you go through like the acquisition of knowledge phase you come yeah to five stages on, all those stages but they were just like no you should go to that stage immediately otherwise it's not oh. okay and um and so they got really pissed off about it and would quote things out of context and like would just be like this is obviously this is damaging this is you need to like one of them was being published by simon and schuster They're like you need to cancel this book otherwise you're damaging like the lives of like millions of young readers blah, blah, oh for blah. christ's sake and um and the, and they <laughs> almost did they almost did cancel it and like there and it was a huge fucking thing like there's two articles about this i can send you that you're just gonna you read them read the slate one in particular and you just be like this is the most insane thing i've ever heard and like the the person who wrote the article contacted a couple of the people on twitter who were like part of like the tribe of uh twitter users who were attacking this book and this author and we're like can i interview you this for this article i'm writing this article about the situation, blah, blah, blah. And that person then immediately was like, no. And then went online and was like, this person's harassing me and intimidating me and trying to like take over the thing. And it was all of that. Like all of the things that you think are the worst part of like liberal, liberal thought were all evident in the story. And uh, the woman who wrote the first book, the witch book, she her she went to her publicist. She's like, I don't know what to do. Like all these people are attacking me. It's part, it's a fucking trilogy. Like the character comes to this realization, then becomes like this renegade that helps change these sci-fi world planet into being more accepting whatever like it's all plotted out but um but i don't know what to do and they're like you can just never go online again 
Like you don't oh, well. don't go on Twitter yeah. ever again because like if you respond to them, you're wrong. If you block them, you're wrong. And she's getting like death threats, all like the normal shit that's like comes with being hated by the right or the left. They both end up hating you a lot. And um and she was getting all of that and she's just like, I'm not she's like, I just can't I'm never gonna go on Twitter again. I just left my account, I'm not gonna delete it because that would be a sign of like something else. So just oh, yeah, like, okay, so like I'm cut out of that part of my life. Fuck that. I mean it's it, it's it's so ridiculous to an extent. I, I'm, I'm, I can't, like, I'm always very careful when I start criticizing this because I also don't want to be like the, you know, like Bill Maher or somebody who's just like such a blatant asshole about this. But at the same time, fucking hell. I mean, like, as a narrative arc, people can start out as a shit and be woke later. Like, you don't have to, like, the idea that somebody needs to be that, like, you know, aware um and sensitive and and you know on it that early in a story is absurd because that's just not how human beings are unfortunately i mean like human beings take a long time to to reach the place that they are i mean all of us i think have to go through this something like that so like one of the things i was teaching comp which is like becoming one of my favorite things to teach which everybody hates teaching comp but i'm kind of loving it is like we talk about like as a writer like you have a constraint you just don't realize it and none of my students really like that because they always make they always think i'm accusing them of being biased mm-hmm. against something they think of themselves as these woke little individuals who are totally cool with everybody but I'm like no you have some sort of like constraint based upon your age your race your gender your place you grew up in the part of the world you grew up in all these things contribute to you being the person you are and that's okay like you 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 know there's nothing wrong with that you just like recognizing that maybe helps you sort of like get past things in your writing that are preventing you from like seeing things from perspectives um outside of your own yeah so like what i like about like that conversation is then they start to sort of like i make them like address their constraints yeah. because like to do that maybe helps them realize that like not everybody who says something stupid um or especially if it's a fictional fucking character is yeah. coming from a place of hate it's coming from a place of you know constraint yeah yeah well yeah which is like you know which which is just normal i think but whatever we need i mean I, it sounds terrible to say but we need racist characters in fiction well like we have them and they, they they're not there to serve like i don't believe that a racist character in a book is there to serve the 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 political view the socio-political views of the writer nope. um all the time i mean come on it's just some i mean like, if you're writing, if you, who, if you're writing something that is it's terrible yeah, that's different. I mean, obviously, if it's the protocols of the elders of Zion or some fucking shit, but you know, right. I'm thinking of like if, if a TV if a TV show like All the Family were to come on now, yeah. I really feel like the reaction would be this needs to be off the air because it's a show that's promoting racism. Whereas I feel like that show was edgy uh, really for its time. It's an incredibly edgy show, but it was all about like let's have a fucking terrible character who's who's just almost to the edge of irredeemable yep. and you know let's, let's like like use that as a, as a way of, of promoting a discussion so like i, I, we don't, I don't think we can do that anymore but. i was really afraid i brought that ya story to my class and when i did it i was just like i was like this is not going to go well but i don't have anything really well prepared for what we're going to talk about it was like I, it's a publishing class i forget what like we were supposed to do but it was maybe it was about like marketing and i was like well this is timely and like oh, because part of this oh the part that i left out the new book the laura moriarty book kirkus gave it a starred review 
They had one uh-huh. of their. Um, it was about about a future in which Muslims are being uh, put into concentration camps, more or less, right? Like, and and the uh-huh. character is like, "This is fucked up." At, by the end, and um, and so they had the, one of their their reviewers who is Muslim American uh, woman who. Is, excuse me, is also an expert on YA, review it, and she gave it a star review, and she's like, this is really interesting. It's, it addresses all these issues in these curious ways, blah, 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 blah. Fantastic book. And uh, there's so much outrage online that, like, they would, they, that the Kirkus would give such attention to, like, such a racist book because there is racist thoughts that were within it among people who were the ones that were putting the Muslims in concentration camps that... Um, Kirkus took down the review, eliminated the star, and reworked it so that it said that it was not a great book anymore. Oh, man. That's really fucked up. So I brought this in to my class, and I was like, this is not going to go well. Like, the week before, I had had the week before I had, had a conversation with them about why I don't believe that the idea that you should read translations because it'll make you a better person is a valid discussion. Like, I just don't think that that's a legitimate thing. Um and and they were really pissed. Like they were really upset. Really? By this. Yeah, they were very upset by this because it's it's it, the main the main argument that was that it was horrible for me to even suggest that this wasn't good because what if it helps? What if reading translations helps one person in the world become less racist? And I was like, that's fine. <laughs> like as a general argument that like you're gonna promote your books being like you guys should read books from like uh, from Eth- or from Estonia. <laughs> Because that will make you like a better person by knowing about Estonia is I don't foolish. Know. Because it doesn't. Like for most people don't read books for that reason. You generally don't take that away when you read a book. And people who are reading international books are people who are cosmopol- cosmopolitan centric already. Like you're not. Yeah, it's not like I can't claim. I would argue that if you read widely uh, fiction published throughout the world or anything literature published throughout the world, like you do, maybe glean things about a culture that you wouldn't otherwise get. But it hardly means that just because I've read like Ngugi Wa Thiago that I know shit about Kenya. Yeah, you know well, what I mean. Like I can't moral. No, it doesn't. It just makes me you know smarter. I've read that book, <laughs> you know, and so forth. But it's like. Yeah, I, I kind of get I, it's that's sort of a reaction that I'm a little bit worried about. Um, and not alone in that, for the record. I mean, everyone I know who teaches has that concern. Um, I have a colleague who was teaching um, a class that was, um, I think it was apocalypse in film and literature. You know, she was really into the to the subject of the uh, you know the, the post-apocalyptic narrative and futuristic dystopian shit. And she was showing a movie, um, what she thought would be like a little bit of a, a fun thing to do to the class, and it was The Fifth Element. <laughs> yeah. Which is that Bruce Willis movie, yep. which I kind of think Mila Jojovich is in that. Yes, yes. I'm aware of one part of that. I've not seen that movie, but I listened to How Did This Get Made podcast, and they talked about that. Yeah, it's 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 a fun little romp, but, um, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of a not a great movie in yeah. some ways. But, yeah. but, like, the thing is, like, Chris Tucker is in that movie, uh-huh. and, like, Chris Tucker is really like fucking animated in that film. Yeah. And everybody thought that like Chris Tucker was like step and fetch it like black, you know, to the point where it was racist caricature. Right. Um, and it's just like, if you watch any of the movies he made with Jackie Chan or any movies he's ever made, he, he does kind of go to that place. Yep. But like the reaction from the students was really critical about like, we, and one of the comments was we shouldn't have watched this film. We shouldn't have had to been forced to watch this movie because it features this actor doing this thing, which we perceive as racist or, wow. you know, a little bit too cartoonish. And like to her, she's like, you know, an academic discussion of this would be, 
what is it saying about a movie made in this era that it cast a black actor in this role and that he was emoting in this way and, and cartooning it up? Like, is that a commentary that we should be looking at on yep. the era of filmmaking and like Hollywood prejudices? But rather than even go there, they were just like, nope, we aren't going to talk about it because to talk about it even would be engaging in some form of racism. That's the part I do not like. I like I, I understand the, the criticism of the movie and of those characters and of that that piece of art as being racist or being like uh, cartoonish, like you say, is a good good word for it. Um, I do not understand why you don't talk about that. Or why, you exactly. don't wanna, why you'd rather just not, why you'd rather just like ostrich everything instead of like discussing these things. Because it's through the discussion that you become to learn like how it is and what the levels of that are. Like, I don't know. But I, so... Uh, to to put a to pin in the the the, the young YA thing, like I brought that in terrified, and and <laughs> I, I read the article like basically straight as like I'm not going to comment on this at all, and like one of my students was like that is fucked up. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? <laughs> They're like, and everyone, basically everyone except for the, I've almost all grad students except for one who's an undergrad. The undergrad was like, I don't know. I think it's okay. I think that that's what should happen. And all the grad students were like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and they were like outraged. Oh, good. So I was like, wow, I mean, there you go. It, it, it is pretty outrageous. I mean, I, I feel like there's, 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 lack of context that people have is my fear. And I, and I know this is going to be my ultimate, like, anti-tech Luddite, but here I go. Like, I do sometimes worry that the biggest problem with, like, the Twitter era is that, like, we are um, reading less. And, yep. and, and I think, like, it, it, it means that we're skimmers and we're not really contextualizing things because there are books and characters and people who are racist or sexist or homophobic or fucking horrible, uh, but there are, you know, works of art that maybe deal with those subjects in ways that I think are meant to provoke some sort of conversation. Um, and, and, you know, it's just like, it's like when Huck Finn was re was edited to take, you know, all the, the N word out and replace it with the word slave instead, like he became slave Jim was the name of the character. That's so and I always crazy. thought that was the lamest thing I ever heard. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so fucking stupid. And the comedian DL Hoogley was like, I almost think it's worse to be called a slave. Yeah. 